Let us pray. May my words and our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In verse 7 of that fourth chapter of the first letter of John, it says this, Everyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but the unloving know nothing of God, for God is love. I think we all know that in secular 21st Britain, describing clearly what we mean by God is far from easy. God is not some kind of supreme being out there somewhere. God is not a power that controls absolutely every aspect of life and causes everything that happens to happen. I think if that is what God is like, then I would prefer not to believe in such a God. I think the first letter of John, though, gets it absolutely right. Everyone who loves is a child of God, for God is love. In other words, love is of the very essence of God, the very nature of God. Now, all through the Bible runs the conviction that there is a divine reality to life and that God is the author, creator, and sustainer of all things. But describing what that God is like, well, it depends on the insight and the experience of those writers who at different points in history, biblical history, have set down their understanding of God. Some early writers thought of God as rather like the tyrannical rulers of the empires that threatened Israel. They see God as a God of war, a God to be appeased by sacrifices of food and animals and even people. But gradually, the ideas and the insights changed. The Exodus, for example, reveals God as liberator, God as guide. The prophet Hosea describes God as forgiving against all the odds. And Amos speaks about the moral righteousness of God, while second Isaiah describes God's amazing compassion and self-giving in terms of a suffering servant. And so as we read these biblical stories, the ideas of God shift and change. Old ideas and images are discarded as new truth dawns. Increasingly, one fact becomes clearer and plainer, and that is that love is of the very essence of God. In a very personal sermon entitled, What Jesus Means to Me, Archbishop Desmond Tutu said this, and I quote, God loves us, says Jesus. God loves us not because we are lovable, we are lovable because God loves us. I am loved, he says. 
That is the most important fact about me, and nothing, absolutely nothing, can change that fact. All I do now is an expression of my gratitude for what God has done for me in Christ Jesus. Or as the letter, the first letter of John puts it, God's love was disclosed to us in this, that he sent his only son into the world to bring us life. God is love. That's the experience that is at the very heart of faith. But if God is love, then that defines our fundamental task as individual Christians and as the church. The great uh, Methodist preacher Leslie Weatherhead, who I remember hearing on more than one occasion when I was a student, used to summarize the task of preaching as making the love of God real. That's the job of the preacher. And it's true that not only of preaching, but of the whole life of the church. Why is the church here? Why is St. Andrew's here? Only to make known the love of God through the life, through our relationships, through the witness of the church. Now, of course, the church doesn't always succeed in this. In some churches, God is presented as authoritarian, as harsh, as judgmental. You remember Jim Callahan, the Labour Prime Minister? Well, he grew up in a very strict Baptist background. And looking back on that background, he reported this. To a seven-year-old, he said, the fear of it was real and tangible. Not the love of it, the fear of it. And he recalls coming home one day to find, this was from school, I take it, to find his house was deserted. And he thought that the second coming had occurred and that he'd been left behind because of his wickedness. Now, too many lives have been damaged by fear-filled religion. Edmund Goss, the Victorian poet and writer, described a very similar upbringing in his book Father and Son, in which he said this, there was narrowness, there was isolation, and let it be boldly admitted, an absence of humanity. R.S. Lee the, was a psychologist who explored the links between psychology and religion. And in a book about the growing child, he describes how vital is the parent's love in the early years. If the child is to grow up happy and balanced and capable of giving love in later life. The arbitrary, the unpredictable parent, overindulgent one minute and stern and withholding the next, is not laying down foundations of security. But more than that, R.S. Lee suggests that the parent's love is a preparation for the child to understand the love of God. He says this, a mother, and I we would add a father too, has in fact been mediating God's love to her child. What a responsibility. And similarly, what a responsibility we have in the church to mediate God's love to the world. Of course, that love is 
not simple. It's not an easy love. It's a love that went to the cross for us. It calls out the very best from us. It reassures us and it soothes our hurts, but it also issues its challenge to us. As Desmond Tutu also said in the same sermon, love can be demanding. It has an, its own imperatives. Think of a mother, he says, think of a mother sitting by the bedside of a sick child through the night, impelled only by love. Nothing is too much trouble for her. And there is a description of God's love for us and the kind of love that God wants us to reflect in the life of the world. So our task is to make known this love of God. Our task is to make this love real, to live out its free gift and its comfort, but also its imperatives and its demands. The letter of John says this, if God thus loved us, my friends, we in turn are bound to love one another. And this, of course, begins with our personal relationships. It begins in the life of the family. It begins with our parents and loving our partner and our children and our friends. But it goes wider than that. It spreads wider and wider. We are, says St. Paul, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. That's the extent of the love we are called to give. Love must begin in our relationships with those we are closest to, but then it must go out and out and out to the wider community and to the wider world. And what a world it is. Yes, I know it's a wonderful world in so many ways, but it is also, as every newspaper we open and every television news we turn on, is a desperately unhappy world as well. Ian McEwan has written a remarkable novel. It's called uh, The Nutshell. And in The Nutshell, the whole of the book is seen through the eyes of a child in its mother's womb. A fetus, a very intelligent fetus, I have to say. But the child, through the walls of its mother's womb, listens to the news on the radio. And uh, this is part of it. This morning, there was a heavier matter than usual. Through my mother's bones, I encountered a bad dream in the guise of a formal lecture. The state of the world. An expert in international relations advised me that the world was not well. The lecturer took a dim view of our species, describing confusion about values, anti-Semitism incubating, immigrant populations languishing, novel new inequalities of wealth, Ingenuity deployed by states for new forms of brilliant weaponry by global corporations to dodge taxes. The Middle East, fast breeder for a possible world war. The United States, barely the hope of the world, murdering sleep with every new handgun. 
Africa, yet to learn democracy's party trick, the peaceful transfer of power, its children dying for want of easy things, clean water, mosquito nets, cheap drugs. Uniting and levelling all humanity, the dull old facts of altered climate, vanishing forests, creatures and polar ice. We were wonderful, but now we are doomed. Twenty minutes. Click. It's a very telling novel. I commend it to you. It's also a detective story. But ours, as we need to remember, is an amazing, a wonderful world. It has so much to give us, so much to offer, so much to celebrate. But there is also much that seems dire and hopeless. But the Christian response in the face of these negative things must be to declare that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The Christian response is to face the facts, even the harshest of them, and then address them with love. No talk of love can have any meaning unless it relates to and seeks to address the realities of life as it is today. Of course, we have first of all to respond to immediate needs. But then we must throw our weight behind efforts to change what led to those needs in the first place. Both things are driven by compassion, both reactions, but one is practical help and the other is political action. Yes, love does mean politics. That is a willingness to seek changes in the world and to challenge injustice. Martin Luther King once put it with absolute clarity, and I quote, any religion that professes to be concerned about the souls of men and is not concerned about the slums that damn them, the economic conditions that strangle them, and the social conditions that cripple them, is a spiritually moribund religion awaiting burial. Practical help and political action, they're always intertwined. The money we raise for Christian aid, for example, or the support we give for fair trade, go hand in hand with their campaigns to address the causes of hunger and injustice. To take another example, of course we should gather up the plastic that litters our streets and rivers and is now filling our seas. But at the same time, we need to support bodies like Friends of the Earth and other groups that work hard to tackle the problems of plastic at source. Can we lament, on the one hand, the fate of persecuted and imprisoned minorities if we don't add our support, for example, to Amnesty International's campaigns to get freedom for those people. And alongside the gifts we make for the food bank, should we not be making every effort to rid society of the need for food banks? 
God is love. That's the headline and the final line of the Christian message. This is the very heart, the very center of the gospel. It reveals the mind, the essence, the heart of God. It gives us our task as a church and it needs to be lived out in both personal relationships and in commitment to social justice. Yes, everyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but the unloving know nothing of God, for God is love. Amen.